0: Welcome to another inspirational message from the Chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Uh, wherever you are in all locations this morning, we are going to read from five, the fifth chapter of Galatians um, and verse 22. And uh, it's going to come up on the screen. And I would ask that wherever you are, whether you're at home, whether you're in a um, a campus this morning, or whether you're here in the room, that you would read this out loud. You might say, Bron, we don't really do that. I would say, we are going to this morning. And you might say, Kerry Pollard, I see. You might say, we don't do that in Gaira. We're going to this morning. So Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 says this, uh, and it's coming up on the screen in five, four, three, two, one. But the Holy Spirit, oh, one, two, three. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. There is no law against these things. I'm going to speak to you this morning on the topic of love and joy, love and joy. In his most famous sermon, Jesus on the Mount not a mount, he wasn't like preaching from a steed or anything, but he he preached about the fact that you can identify people by their actions. And I want to remind you this morning that there is fruit being produced from your life, whether it's intentional or unintentional. You are intentionally cultivating fruit in your life or you are unintentionally cultivating a different kind of fruit in your life. Jesus said that grapes don't come from thorn bushes and figs don't come from thistles. I love that, the fruit's so Middle Eastern, uh, grapes and figs. Um, but he said that In fact, a a tree or a plant will produce after its own kind. And Paul goes on in that chapter to expand on the fact that the Holy Spirit, who you receive when you decide to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Saviour, when you say, I don't want to go my way anymore, but I want to go your way, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in you to will and to work according to His good purpose. And when He does that, He's producing fruit in your life. Now, this concept of fruit being produced from you is perhaps not unfamiliar You might have heard the phrase before, the the fruit of my loins. You might use that phrase when referring to your children, but if you have a teenager, they throw up a little bit in their mouth every time you say it. (laughs) Fruit of my loins. The the, the fact is that fruit of our loins. Now, if we believed in the stalk, we'd believe that a gift is given to us when a baby comes, but we don't... um, Sorry if I'm blowing any lids off here this morning, but we don't believe in the stork. We believe that our babies come from a union. If I'm to be really plain, Isabella, Lachlan and Kate come from the fruit of Darren's and my loins. Now, some of you are like, please stop saying loins. And some of you are, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. It's a union with Christ and the Holy Spirit that produces fruit in our lives. Now, I understand all your reactions. Some of the yep, makes sense. Some of you are like... <laughs> and others of you are like... <laughs> but regardless, we, we get this concept. A gift is given... But fruit is produced. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control are fruits that the Holy Spirit produces in our lives. They come from God, they're outworked in us and then they're outworked into the world around us. From God, in us and outworked. And these fruit are distinct from the human expression that correlates to that fruit. So the love that we experience from God in us and outworked is different from the human love that we know and experience. We'll look at that in just a minute. But the joy that we experience is differentiated from the human happiness that we might feel. Uh, The patience that we feel is different from the human tolerance or lenience that we might feel towards each other. It's different. It's from God. It's in us and it's outworked. So firstly this morning, love. True love will follow you forever and ever. Not that kind of love. Not even the kind of you and McGregor love. Love is a many splendid thing. Love lifts us up wherever we belong. All you need is love. Not even that kind of love. It's love that is first on this list, and it's a love that you've heard at every wedding. That love is patient. Love is kind. It is not proud. It is not rude. It does not boast. It is not easily angered. It is not self-seeking. It doesn't rejoice with evil, but rejoices in the truth. It keeps no record of wrongs. It always protects, hopes, trusts, and perseveres. Love never fails. It's that kind of love that comes from God, worked in us and outworked. It's, it's first on the list because it's the most important, because nothing else matters if there isn't love. As we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1, where it says this, If I could speak all the languages of earth... Now, there's a man in the Bible who got the love of God like no one else. In fact, he called himself the disciple that Jesus loved. Hashtag humble brag. I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. You're supposed to say that about other people, not about yourself. But John was like, no, no, I'm the disciple that Jesus loves because he got the love of Jesus so much. In his gospel, he mentions the word love 56 times, which is more than all the other gospels combined. Well, later on in his life, when he sees the church kind of departing from the way of love, he writes his first letter. And in those four or five chapters alone, he mentions the word love 46 times. He gets the love of God and the love of Jesus shed abroad in our hearts. And I believe the night he got it is found in John chapter 13. But on the way there, have you heard of the five love languages? Anyone heard of the five love language? Few of you. It's essentially that we all have a different love language and that I can misinterpret what you're saying and not see it as love if my love language isn't the same as your love language because you're speaking a different language to me. Now, I would suggest to you that all five love languages have the same alphabet if it's God's kind of love. Latin alphabet has a number of language derivatives from it. So... French, Portuguese, Spanish, Italian and English all are derived from the Latin alphabet and the five love languages of words of affirmation, acts of service, gifts, physical touch and, oh, I forget one, quality time that they, I'm guessing that whoever yelled that out, it's theirs, Um, (laughs) don't forget me, hang out with me Um, that all of that is actually comes from the alphabet of sacrifice God's love is sacrificial. You may see at Easter the beautiful graphic that is cross equals love. Trying to redefine to the world the cross is not this symbol of corporate punish, corporal punishment but instead is the greatest act of love that's ever been known. Well I would suggest to you that it should be cross equals love equals cross. Because love always sacrifices for others. And Voskamp says that Love equals laying your life down for someone. You just get to choose who you'll lay it down for. So if we have God's love in us, we're laying down our life for someone. Let's go to this passage, John chapter 13, verse one. It says this, Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth and now he loved them to the very end. Another version says, He now showed them the full extent of his love how did he do that verse three Jesus knew that the father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God so he got up from the table took off his robe wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin and then began to wash the disciples feet drying them with the towel he had around them John was so impacted by this that in his record of what happened he says Jesus knew how much He loved His disciples. And He showed them the full extent of His love. And how did He do this? He got a towel and He began to serve them. He began to serve them. And later in John's account of what Jesus said following that, He raises the stakes completely and says that Jesus said that that by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples because of your love for each other. The inference is that if we don't love each other, then we're not recognisable as his disciples. Look across the room at the person that you intentionally sat on the other side of the room for from and just determine in your heart that after this message this morning, you're going to love them. In fact, just go, get up and go to them right now and just tell them. How should we love? Well, Jesus continues his address to the disciples and tells them. In John chapter 15 and verse 12, he says this, he says, This is my commandment love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. So, love that is God's kind of love given to us, worked in us, and then outworked is a, a love that says, Your needs first, my needs last. You know, how do we lie down? How do we lay down our life for our friends? Is it like. Like that? No, don't be ridiculous. Of course, it's not like that. Why would you think that? It's laying down our lives for. A that was really nice on the floor, just for a second. Wow, oh, yeah. must be tired. It's a race to the bottom, not a race to the top. Everything in our world will tell you that it's a race to the top. Just figure out how you can get more important, more influence, more levels, you know, new levels. Keep going, new levels. There's new levels for you. But Jesus says, no, it's a race to the bottom. And I'll show you what I mean by that in Philippians when he says that he humbled himself. He left his, his heavenly position. He came all the way to earth to be born as a baby. When you look at a baby, little Elkie Faye was in the service this morning, Sasha and Jesse's new baby. Can you picture anything more vulnerable than a newborn? is there anything more powerless than a newborn so vulnerable so powerless so um, susceptible to harm and yet he came and was born as a baby and not didn't stop there but grew in our world in our dusty messed up world that there so much is happening and if you think you were horrified this morning just remember there's nothing new under the sun that was all going on and more back in Jesus day as well and and so he grew up in the midst of that and then condescended to die a criminal's death on a cross, he was a person who laid down his life and he says, I want you to do the same. I want you to race to the bottom just like I do. I don't want you to love and look out for the people who, who you love the most and, and only spend time with them. I want you to walk into a room and figure out who you can serve. And in doing that, that is how you will love each other. So how should we love? We love by laying down our life. Bob Goff says, love does. Love does, it does something. Who should we love? Everybody. Thanks, Bob Goff. When should we love? Always. (laughs) Thanks, Bob Goff and Trish. We love everybody always, and we do it by doing. We love by doing. That is the kind of love that Jesus once worked in us, from him in us and outworked. Secondly, joy. Joy, joy, joy. Down in my heart. It's more than we think, Joy. You see, I like to laugh. I like to joke a lot. It's my mission in life to make board meetings fun. I I love just mucking around and having fun. I don't know if it was an insult or a compliment when someone I was laughing at someone and and someone else came up and the person that I was laughing at said to the person that had just come up, it's like Bron's laughing at my jokes and the person was like, Bron, she'll laugh at anything. And I was like, hey, True. (laughs) thank you. <laughs> and, uh, and so I love to laugh, but, but the joy that we're talking about is more than just being a laughy person. It's, it's much more than that. In fact, there was a song, um, you might remember it. Um, the joy of the Lord is my strength. 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 That was the entirety of the song. Someone thought it was too repetitive, so they added a whole verse that went like this. Ha 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 ho ho. You didn't want to invite your friend that week that we sang that. And you know, language like that, only rappers can use those kind of words in songs. now, but I'm not a rapper. Um, and and so Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10 says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. I want to remind you that Judaism in and of itself was a joyous religion it was a religion of festivities in leviticus 23 the lord outlines eight fasts and feasts for people to engage with so that they are full of life and energy as they worship does anyone want to bring back fasting as part of our worship feasting anyone want to bring back feasting yes okay me too Feasting. None of this canopy business, people. It's a long table, okay? Full of banquets <laughs> that we would feast. Every ancient civilization worship had feasting in it. And it was supposed to be full of joy. Let me ask you the question. If you were to go out today to your workmate and say, what's one of the main attributes of Christianity? Would they reply, oh, joy? Definitely joy. And if not, why not? Why has joy fallen off the radar for a consideration of what Christianity looks like? And how do we get it back? You know, is it because we focus on what we shouldn't do so much? That we forget that joy is the response to what has been done for us? If we remember, like Trav talked about so beautifully, the sacrifice that was made for us, is our response one of, oh, wow, I am full of joy. The, the phrase literally means in the Hebrew, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Delight in Yahweh is a strong fortress and protection. The joy, joying yourself in the Lord is a protection for you. I love what Luke said. Got written in my notes, Luke attractive. <laughs> All right, <laughs> let's just go with that. Now Luke t- talked a couple of weeks ago. He said that our mission is to reach the world for Christ. Amen. But our purpose is not to reach the world for Christ. The purpose that we were created for was to, in, to know God and enjoy Him forever. Why is it that we've lost our purpose, of, that we should just be enjoying God, that our relationship with Him, it doesn't need to look like a buoyant personality or someone who laughs at everything. It's this, this beautiful joy in the Lord, delighting yourself in the Lord, that coming back to our original purpose, and I'll tell you that that is attractive. That's attractive to people, people living in that kind of joy, way more attractive than Luke. Secondly, what does joy look like? It doesn't look like joy from inside out. You don't have to skip and laugh to be joyful. You might laugh, but, but you don't have to. Our scholar writes that joy is simply choosing whether you stand under the sun or under the shadow. What will you decide? As Phil Dunphy said, when life gives you lemonade, make lemons. Lemons be all like, "What?" I think I got the quote wrong. <laughs> um, you choose whether you stand in the sun. It's it's really funny when you feel feel dumpy. Say it. I don't, uh, Yeah. So you choose whether you stand in the sun or in the shadow. We've all got stuff dealt to us in life. We really do. And and sometimes you feel like you can't actually step out of the shadow. But the point is that when the time comes that you do feel the choice and you feel empowered to make a choice, which one are you going to choose? Are you going to choose to stand in the sun or are you going to choose to stand in the shadow? As one psychologist said to me, you can't control the birds that fly over your head, but you can control which ones you make a nest for and let nest. So love, which is this powerful thing worked in us and then outworked by laying down our lives, and then joy, which is a choice that we make to continually choose to rejoice. So are they nature or are they nurture? You might know this question, nature or nurture it's asked numerous times in our world today. Is that person like that because of their nature, because of their DNA, because of the genetic code? Or is it because of the way that they were raised and the things that happened to them? It's constantly asked, nature or nurture? Well, I will um, answer this with a story and a final scripture this morning. I was with my cousin up in uh, Lennox Head. He'd just had a baby and um, it was his first baby and he was so happy. And so I went up to see little Millie Pam, and uh, this cousin of mine, my best cousin, I don't know how parents do it these days. When I was having babies, you got fat and then realised it was solid fat and not soft fat. And so you realised you were having a baby and then there was like movement inside of you. And then you had the baby and you tried to figure it out. Now you've got apps and 3D ultrasounds and you are aware of every leap and bound and gain and you track track it all. And and it's just, there's so much information. I don't know how parents do it these days. Well, Ben was telling me about this documentary that he'd watched about what's happening in the womb, in the Germanic stage, maybe, I don't know, in the fetal stage, in the embryonic stage, he's going through them all, so much information. But what really struck me was that he said that at eight weeks, the hairs around the cell go from spinning one way, eight weeks in the womb, to spinning the other way. I just want to let you know that if you're wondering at what point that life is life, that life is life. Jeremiah tells us that God had us in mind before we were even conceived. That's when life starts right back in the mind of God before anyone else thinks about life. So that life in the womb is spinning in the other direction. And that's when the personality begins to be formed. That's when that little baby's personality begins to be formed. I was gobsmacked. And I said to Ben, Ben... This makes so much sense to me. As you all know, um, or most of you would know, my father died when I was eight weeks old. The one comment that I always get is how much like him I am. And I, I always found it really odd. I was like, how? I never, ever knew him. I was a baby, a newborn when he died. How could I possibly have the same personality as him? But as Ben's talking about, the hairs that begin to spin the other way and that's when the personality gets formed. I was like, well, that makes total sense, of course. And so... I had in my nature to be a certain personality. But then it was up to me whether I nurtured that personality that was in my nature. And if you've decided to put your faith in Jesus Christ, you have a new nature. But it's up to you whether you nurture that you nature that you've been given. John chapter 15 in our final scripture this morning. John chapter 15 verse 1 to 4 says this, Jesus talking. I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and He prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. So everyone that accepts the message is a part of this vine. It says, verse 4, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. That's how we nurture that love and that joy. If you're like, Bron, I cannot love That person, Or I cannot love that people group. I I don't know what you're thinking. Joyful is not part of my story. This is how we get that fruit in our lives. We remain in Him and He will remain in us. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Let's go down to verse 10. It says, When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love. I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment, love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because the master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I've told you everything the father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the father will give whatever you ask using my name. This is my command. Love each other. So here Jesus is setting up this whole concept of fruit happening in our lives. And if you're like I love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I there's none I, I don't see for nailing four forum hopeless at and one, I don't understand. Whatever it is in your life, it's all about remaining in him. It's not about you with your human effort making it happen. It's about you remaining in him, enjoying him, knowing him, and just step by step doing what he asks you to do. And then he begins to produce the fruit in your life. I can tell you right now that it's been the story of my life, things that I've wrestled with on my own for years and years, that just as I remain in Him, I suddenly notice that that thought pattern isn't happening anymore or that action isn't my go-to anymore. And that is our story as we remain in Him. He produces His fruit in us. And firstly, His love. And secondly, His joy. Let's come to our feet this morning. Maybe this morning you are someone who was thinking that you needed to have these attributes before you could come to God. Maybe you thought, I can't possibly come to God because I'm not a loving person. I'm not a joyful person. I have no patience. I have no peace. I have no kindness. There's nothing like that in me. And when I get that in me, that's when I'll come to God and that's when I'll start following Him. Without realising that actually what He wants is you to come just as you are. Filth, dirt, messed up, broken, broken, And he wants you to commit yourself to him so that then he can fill you with his Holy Spirit and begin to work in you what he wants to work through you. So, this morning, I wonder if we could please close our eyes wherever you are. If you're at home, if you're in another location, if you're here in the room, if you could close your eyes. One, because we want to give people privacy, and two, because we want to block out distractions in this moment. If you're someone who has decided to follow Jesus, you're following Him with your life, I would ask you to be praying in this moment for anyone who might be in that valley of decision right now, who might be feeling the Lord knock on the door of their heart, and I would ask that you would pray for them, that they might open it and invite Him in. So if you could be praying if you already know Jesus. So to those of you who don't yet know Jesus, I want to ask you this question. Do you just want to come as you are this morning and say, nothing of myself I can possibly bring because before you God what is it? Where you would say I definitely understand that there is some kind of rift between God and I we are not this free-flowing relationship or maybe you're like you know what I think I know God but I'm just really worried about the next life and I have no assurance that I'm right with God and, and that actually in the next life I'll be right with Him as well well, if you fall into any of those categories, this morning I want to ask you a question. Do you want to follow Jesus? Do you want to stop going your own way? Follow Jesus, put all your trust in Him, trust in what He's done and make Him the Lord of your life. If that's you this morning, every location, every lounge room and here in the room as well. On the count of three, if you want to raise your hand, I would love to pray for you. Awesome. Straight, straight out, that's awesome. Great decision. I'm going to still count to three. One, two, three. Is there anyone else here this morning? It's like, yep, that's me. I fall into that category. Maybe you're in a location. Maybe you're at home and you're raising your hand. That's awesome. I I obviously don't see you, but God sees you. Is there anyone else in the room that's like, yep, that's me. I want to make that decision. Awesome. You can put your hand down. Thank you so much. That's a great decision. I'm going to pray this morning. And after I pray, if you could say, Amen, which simply means, yes, I agree. Lord, this morning, we surrender our lives to You. Lord, this morning, Lord, we say we've had enough of going our own way. It hasn't worked or whatever it's felt like. I know there's something missing. And Lord, this morning, I surrender my whole life to You. I give my life to You. I want to follow Jesus. I want to follow him all the days of my life. I put my trust in what you did on the cross, Lord Jesus, to make me right with God. And Lord, I just surrender to you in Jesus' name. Let's say together, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Amen. Can we celebrate with people that made this decision, believing for people at home in other locations and definitely here in the room as well.